The Old Testament for this morning is from Isaiah chapter 65. Uh, Pay close attention to the very opening verse, especially. It will tie in with the gospel. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and the broth of tainted meat is in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, I do not, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their bosom both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, I will measure into their bosom payment for their former deeds. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there's a blessing in it. So I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains, my chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from Galatians chapter 3 into chapter 4. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, and we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. This will be the basis of our meditation this morning. The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 8, beginning verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he wore no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by a demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, it's so good to see you again. I've been a prodigal son roving all over West Michigan. But today I'm with you again. Our text is the gospel reading, which may seem to be a rather strange one. 
most people today would not like to deal with this kind of issue at all. Because as intelligent people, we know that when people do strange, dangerous, odd things, it's not the cause of demons. It's not the cause of spiritual problems. It's just that they need more psychiatric help and social services. Now, I'm not attacking those things, but they have their limits. If you are in a deep spiritual fear or terror or something beyond you has taken control of you at times, psychiatry is not going to help you. They don't even give you counseling sessions very often to see what the problem is. They just give you happy medications so that you'll feel happy, happy, happy all the time and not worry about what may really be true worries. This is the first gospel we hear now in this Pentecost or Trinity season. And it's setting a tone for now what the church is going to be busy doing. In Luther's day, he did many baptisms, not just of children, but of others who had come into the Christian faith. And according to the ancient form of baptism, there's something that was done in those days that was, is no longer done with us anymore because we are modern people. In Luther's day, the person to be baptized would be thoroughly instructed in the Christian faith. And when it came time for the baptism, before the actual event, there actually was an ancient form of exorcism. Some of you don't even know what that word is. And we are not talking about the movie, The Exorcist. An exorcism was done in threefold measure to drive out whatever evil or demonic problems that that person might still have. This continued on in the church up until probably 150 to 200 years ago when people started thinking differently. I give this example to you because the early church understood the deep-seated form of evil. There is evil in this world. And the church wanted to have that evil driven away, and then once that evil spirit was gone, then they would say, receive the Holy Spirit, and then they would do the baptism. The church is going to have to deal with not just troubles, not just difficulties, but there is actual evil out there, and sometimes it even can affect us. It has always been that way. When the church began to grow, there was great evil from the top down, from the Roman emperors down to the smallest places. If you were caught worshiping and praying to this Jesus of Nazareth, you would be called in and questioned about your faith, whether you might want to renounce it. Except for the Christians in their baptism would say, I renounce the devil, the world, meaning the unbelieving world, and my old sinful flesh. 
That's the only renunciation Christians would ever give. They would not give up their faith in Christ. So for the first 300 years, Christians were put to death by the tens of thousands. Having said that, that goes against our modern notion. Many Christians have grown up in the modern Christian church thinking, if I believe in Jesus, if I go to church, if I do the right things, nothing bad should happen to me. God will watch over me. That is not Christian doctrine. That is, in fact, what St. Paul calls a doctrine of demons. You did not enter the Christian church to have a charmed life where nothing wrong ever occurs. Now, I know you. I know what you've gone through. I've known this for a long time. You know it as well as I know it. I can look at each one of you and think of times when you were brokenhearted, when things went very, very badly wrong, when you wondered how you'd get through difficult times. Yet you probably were forced into this situation where you would have nothing else to do but to pray to your Lord Jesus to help you. And that's how you got through. I've been with many of you when you'd go in for surgeries. I'd see you at your bedside. I've counseled a number of you at different times. It's your Lord Jesus that got you through. But in the process of these hard, difficult, heart-aching times, your faith was made stronger. God does not call his children to live a charmed life. Rather, Jesus says, Take up your cross daily and akolotheo, joyfully follow me. Bearing the cross is part of the Christian faith, and in that process, your faith will be stronger in the face of all the troubles that you have, all your pains and heartaches. This gospel reading this morning is pointing out that evil is indeed always going to be with us. In fact, if anything, evil loves to target Christians because Satan's already got the rest of the world. What does he worry about? It's Christians he wants. We're told that they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes. Now, like some old Germans, they didn't spell very well. There's three different ways that this is spelled or misspelled. It's that area directly east of the Sea of Galilee. Why in the world did Jesus go there? It was filled with all kinds of disgusting pagans, old Phoenicians, Romans, crazy people, demonic people. Why did he bother to go there? There were no synagogues over there. There were no Jews in that section. Although, if you go back far enough, that whole area was allotted to the half-tribe of Manasseh at the time they entered the Promised Land. The other half stayed on the west side of the Jordan. That may be telling us something. 
Jesus went to this God-forsaken place, and I do mean that in its theological sense. He went there for a contest. He went there to show that no demonic power and strength was greater than him. He had all power and victory, and he's beginning now to proclaim it more and more. He went to the Gerasenes opposite Galilee, and the minute he stepped off the boat, here comes trouble. We're told that there met him a man from the city who had demons. The word for met here is a military term. You see the enemy coming, you go out to meet him in force. This demon-possessed man comes out to meet Jesus, and here will be a big challenge. Now, this isn't any run-of-the-mill demon-possessed man. Uh, We're told in Matthew's gospel, in fact, there were two. There was the main crazy person, and then a buddy of his that was with him all the time. They didn't live in homes. They lived among the tombs, that is, caves, holes in the ground. Mark's account says they were screaming and crying out all the time, especially at night, and that they would try to hurt themselves or cut themselves. And as for power, we're told that they tried to subdue him using chains, and they mean the big ones, the big heavy chains, and shackles, that is, with the hands and the feet. And he continually would just break them. Everyone was terrified of this man. And to make matters worse, in this encounter, Jesus calmly comes up to the man and says, What is your name? Now, Jesus already knew what his name was, of course, but he wants this man to say it. And this demon-possessed man said that his name is Legion. Legonus, the technical military term. A legion was 6,000 armed, trained Roman soldiers. This is probably the, the equivalent of the entire Roman force stationed in that part of the world to keep order. And this guy is trying to intimidate Jesus. He said, Legion is my name, for many demons had entered him. Now, up to this point, you might be thinking, this is going to be a real Donnybrook. This isn't going to be easy. Remember, after the transfiguration, aside from Peter, James, and John, the rest were down low in the valley, and they had been asked by a father to cast a demon out of a boy who would flay around, foam at the mouth. No one could keep track of him either. And the question at that point was, why can't your disciples expel this demon? Now, he's a lesser type, and this is the major one. Will Jesus be able to handle this person, if I can use the term? He's a multiplicity of personalities. He is mad beyond mad and powerful beyond their expectations. His name is Legion. 
Actually, at this point, the battle's over. This is good news we have to remember for ourselves all the time when we are confronted with things that are difficult. Yes, sometimes just plain evil. The demons know who Jesus is. This horrible conglomeration of demons knows who Jesus is. And immediately he begins begging. He's trying to make a deal. Not to command them to depart into the abyss, rather to go into a very large herd of piggies. Now, if you're from Iowa, or if you're Jewish, this is a good joke. Pigs in Iowa are actually cute. You can kind of play with them, play games with them. I and my cousins used to play slap hog. You'd go into the pig pen area and slap them on the behind, and then they'd chase after you, and you'd hop up on the farrowing hut and wait till they cooled down, then do it all over again. We all got yelled at for playing that game because if we would have slipped at any point, those not little piggies could have crushed us and killed us. You don't play games with six, 700-pound pigs. But they asked to be put into this large herd of pigs that was peacefully feeding on the hillside. And there's a little phrase, and he, that is Jesus, literally gave them leave, gave them permission. Demons cannot do anything contrary to what God's will is. Now, stick that in your heart of hearts. Even if you run across the most horrible, demonic person you could possibly think of, take heart. There's nothing that that power can do aside that God would allow it to happen. You are protected as a child of God. It's been that way since your baptism. You do not see it, but as Paul was telling us, it's a matter of faith and trust in this almighty Son of God. So he gave them permission. They came out of the man, and the Greek means immediately, entered the pigs, they ran down the hill and all were drowned. What a happy story. It is. The gospel readings you'll be hearing for this long green season of Trinity and Pentecost will over and over point out this truth. The power that Jesus has over evil, the power to keep you protected and safe, and he has already displayed that power for all the world by his death on the cross. The powers of hell itself were against him as he was heading into his passion. The questions of the Jewish authorities asked him, come down now and we'll believe you. Oh, he has God as his father. Let God the Father save him now if he wants him. All sorts of these talents touts were laid on Jesus and in spite of the great pain, the terror of facing death and the suffering he was already going through, he knew what would be happening past his own death. There would be his resurrection. Now that is the display, the guarantee 
that Jesus is the one who has power over everything that stands against us. Having said all this, however, please remember what I had said at the beginning. The Christian life is not easy. Might you or I at some point have to give up our life for the sake of our faith? Don't say to yourself, oh no, that's never happened in this country. Think again. There are powers around us that would like to destroy the church. The church is not held in high esteem anymore at all. We are seen as the problem in this nation. Might they arrest you or me for our faith? Yes, it's possible. Especially mouthy characters like me who talk too much and don't know when to shut up. We still face evil all around us, but this text is reminding us about who is in charge, who watches over us at all times. We might even be given the great joy, the palm of eternal life, as a martyr. We're all going to die of something. Why not as someone who boldly confesses their faith? in all that they say and do. As Jesus can overcome an entire Roman army of demons, he does that same power today for each of us in his love and grace. So don't be afraid. Trust in this almighty Christ who defeated even death itself. Trust in his power to protect you, and if it's his will, to bring you to himself. Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.